Welcome back, folks. It's the Detroiter. I'm your host, Nick Bradley. We are presented by The Second String, thesecondstring.com, as well as our brand new partners, our friends over at Detroit Sports Network. Go check them out. Massive Facebook community. They've been doing Detroit sports since I was in middle school. They're OGs. They're, they're the old school guys on the block. Check them out. We've partnered up. I'm going to start doing videos for them. Um, the podcast is going to be on their YouTube page. We're going to throw them up in the articles. I don't know. We might do some of the TikToks I've been doing. We might throw some of those up there. We got a bunch of stuff going. So check it out. Detroit Sports Nation. Go give them a click. Instagram, follow them. Twitter, Facebook, wherever you can find them. YouTube mainly. Go follow them. Go enjoy them. Go join the movement. Jo- join the community. Let's get this thing on the road. This is the first move I've made, really, since I started the content journey, since I started making podcasts, since I started making TikToks, since I started making anything, shirts. This is the first real move that has been made. This is the first move that, I don't know, I'm, I'm reluctant to call it a career, but in my content creation journey, this is the first move that I've made outside of just me sitting here doing shit for myself. This is the first thing I've done outside of the off. Hey, Nick Hankel, you want to do a podcast? Hey, Eli Bashi, you want to do a podcast? Hey, my friend from high school, you want to do a podcast? Outside of that, this is the first like long-term collaboration, partnership, whatever you want to call it, that I've done. So I want to bring some gas to the flame, guys. I want to bring a little bit of fucking juice to the party, right? I don't want to just be making videos and doing nothing else. I don't want to, Oh, nothing changed. We brought this Nick Bradley kid on nothing changed. No, 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 no. That's not how this is going to go. Not in my book, not on my watch. Nick Bradley's in the fray. The Detroiters in the fray, the Detroiter nation string heads everywhere. We're going to make some noise. We're going to turn this thing up a little bit. Detroit sports nation. Okay. Let's get into the episode today. We talked um, Wednesday's episode, Michigan State, Michigan, don't want to talk about that again. Don't even want to think about it again, to be quite frank. And we won't. Outside of that, we're leaving that shit in the past. That's the only time it'll be mentioned on today's episode. Football out of season as it gets. The draft is coming up in April. We just entered March. Shout out to everybody. You made it through another month. Uh, March Madness is right around the corner. Hockey playoffs, basketball playoffs. We've got some good shit coming up. Baseball, not as not, you know, not great. Rob Manfridge is not interested, which fair enough. The owners hired him to to not make a deal that isn't insanely in their favor. So we just won't have baseball, I guess. That's the way it is. Whatever, dude. I'm at the point with baseball where I'm like, I almost fucking want to boycott the league. Easier said than done. The day the Tigers play their first game, I'll be sitting right on my couch over there fucking, oh, Torkelson's batting? Casey Mize is up to play? Yeah, this is awesome. Let's go, Tigers. I love baseball. I never said I would boycott. The day they're back, I'm all in. I'll have my popcorn. I'll have my peanuts. I'll be wearing a Riley Green jersey. I'll probably put some new shirts on sale. It'll be like the baseball lockout. Rob Manfred, who? I never heard of any of this. It'll be like it never happened. But as it stands right now, how I feel right now, I almost want to just boycott it. I want to fuck you guys. Oh, you're going to be super greedy. You're billionaires, owners. You're billionaires. Half of you don't even manage your baseball teams to win, which is fucking annoying. And now you still don't make enough money. The only reason you own the baseball team is because you use it as a cash cow. 
because you sign eh, guys that'll be just good enough to fill up the ballpark just enough so you can flip a profit, sell just enough beer, flip a profit, go on your yacht parties and call it a day, bribe Harvard officials to get your kid into school. That's why you want to own a baseball team. You should want to own a baseball team or any major sports team for that matter because you want to win. Because you're a fan, because you have a vested interest. If I own the Detroit Tigers, I'm not owning the Detroit Tigers because I can make $25 million off the Tigers this year. That's not why. Be nice. If I can make 25 bucks off the Tigers, it'd be nice. $25 million, that's fucking icing on the cake. I own the Detroit Tigers because I have a dick ton of money that I don't really need. And I want to win championships. I love sports as a fan. I love sports as a kid who sits in front of a camera and tries to make jokes about them. I love sports as a guy who Monday through Friday, half my Google searches are, does Michigan State play today? Do the Red Wings play today? Do the Pistons play today? I love sports as that guy. You're going to tell me I have a chance to get involved? I just got to spend a little fucking ashtray money that I, I don't even need anyway. That my dad left me an inheritance by selling pizzas. I just got to spend a few of those bucks and I get to play a part in winning. It's not just we. I'm not that fan saying we. I'm not that fan tweeting, cut this guy, sign this guy. Now I'm the dude actually making the calls. I'm actually playing a part in winning a Super Bowl, winning an NBA championship, winning a Stanley Cup, a World Series. What's up? You're t like, that should be why you decide to own a professional sports team because you want to play a part because you, as a kid grew up loving sports. You as a kid said, we as in the lions, we as in the red wings, we as in the tigers, you never thought you'd have $5 billion hanging around. Guess what? Now you do. And that we can actually be the literal term. We that can actually be you winning the world series that can be you making the key signing and dropping the fucking bag off to win the Stanley cup. That can be you, but you want to own the team so you can make a couple more bucks. You already have billions guys because you sold pizza because you founded United airlines, whatever us cellular, whoever you already have a billions in the bank. You don't need the extra $40 million the Chicago Cubs are going to make you. That shouldn't be the primary focus. I like money. I don't blame you for wanting the extra 40 mil. If I had the chance to make $40 million, I would almost certainly take it. And by almost certainly, I mean, I'd fucking cut my arm off to take that opportunity. But when you have 3 billion, it shouldn't move the meter that much. That shouldn't be the sole driving factor. So many of these owners already, no interest. We just saw Jeter resigned in Miami. Word on the streets, it's because the owner of the Marlins, whoever the fuck, was like, yeah, you know what, uh, Jeets, appreciate you coming here. Know you won a lot in New York. Know that you enjoy winning. You're an athlete. You played the game. You prefer winning to losing. But, you know, I prefer dollars to more than five people watching a game in Miami. I prefer a couple bucks over any sort of prestige that surrounds my ball club. And Jeter said, oh, oh, okay. So you don't actually care. All right. Well, then I'm, I'm fucking out of here. Good for you, Derek Jeter. Good for you. Why are any owners that way? 
And it makes sense that some will be human nature. You can make money. It's a business. They see dollar signs. They don't give a fuck if they were playing cricket. They don't give a fuck if they were curling. They don't care if it was a paper airplane flying contest. As long as they get a few bucks, they're in. I just don't understand how it's so many of them. How do so many people, how rich people, billionaires decide I'm going to shell out a billion dollars on this sports franchise, not because I'm interested in sports, not because I'm a fan of sports, not because I want to win in sports, um, because I can make a little bit more money. Dude, there's some real estate you can buy. You got a billion dollars that you're going to shell out on the Cleveland Indians. There's some fucking beachfront property that, that can do the same thing, dude. There's an amusement park you can buy up and convert into a golf course, bro. Like there's a lot of shit you can do if you just want to make some money. You don't need to be the owner of the Tampa Bay Rays. You don't need to be the owner of the Boston Red Sox. There's a lot of stuff you can do to make money that doesn't involve ruining major sports. That's all. That's all. So you now, because of that, thinking about that, I'm sitting here like, fuck baseball. They don't realize, or maybe they do, and they just don't care. Your sport's dying, dude. I played baseball my entire life. I've grown up watching the Tigers. Maglio Ordonez, Ordonez hitting that dinger to send the Tigers to the World Series in 06 is the first sports memory in my brain. Someone says, what's the first sports thing you remember? Maglio. I, that shit, I remember exactly where I was. I remember exactly who I was with. I remember exactly what happened and what I did when that happened. I was 11 years old. Or no, I was nine years old. And it's burned into my memory. I was actually probably eight years old because I'm a, I'm a late birthday. And it's burned into my memory. I will never until I die forget that day. Guys like me are the ones who you're supposed to count on for watching baseball. I'm the bread and butter. Oh, this kid, he grew up. He had a childhood moment. He's going to be a Tigers fan forever. And here I am 15, 16 years later going, fuck you guys. Fuck baseball. It's tough, dude. 162 games. You think I'm sitting down and watching Tigers 162? No chance. It's not possible. No chance. Especially when the team isn't good, when the team's not winning. You're, you think I'm going out of my way? Yeah, let's watch the tie. They're only 15 games below 500. Let's tune into the Tigs tonight. Dude, Netflix, YouTube, there's more content. There's more shit to watch than there ever has been. You got sports like NFL where people are quite literally taking each other's heads off. You got sports like the NBA where guys are jumping from the free throw line and banging out on seven-foot dudes. You've got hockey where guys fight each other. Guys fight each other. Let me say that one more time. Guys fight each other in the middle of games. And your sport, you throw one pitch, you take two minutes, you throw another pitch, you take two minutes. Maybe if you're lucky, you'll see someone actually hit the ball. And even if you're more lucky, you'll see someone hit the ball and they'll get on base. That sport, in an age where TikTok, it's 60-second video, 60, and even if you're a 65-second swipe, 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 swipe. You think someone's going to sit down, a young kid, someone under the age of 40, wants to sit down? and trudge out a four-hour baseball game, I'm sorry. I like baseball a lot. That's You're losing people. There's a reason TikTok's so successful. And right now, in what's seemingly, I don't know if twilight's the right word, but in a fucking choke zone for the game of baseball, in a critical time where you need to fucking convert some young fans. Mike Trout could walk down the street in Anaheim. Nobody would bother him. Some kid on TikTok 
could walk down the street in Anaheim and wouldn't be able to go grocery shopping. Think about that. One of the best players in your league could go to Whole Foods and people would treat him like a normal fucking person. They may even get a little frustrated with him. What? Who's this broad-shouldered guy in the fucking line? He's the one who bought out all the almonds? I was looking for the almonds. This guy's got 14 bags. You're jacked, buddy. You don't need more almonds. Not to mention, he's taking up half the fucking lane, the checkout lane. I can't read People magazine while I'm waiting to ring up my order. That's probably how people feel about Mike Trout. You got a 16-year-old who hit the, I'm a savage, yeah, and they can't go get an ice cream without being swarmed. Think about that. In that time period for your sport, for your league, and for your game, Baseball saying, you know what? What better time than now to take a year off? Make that make sense. So if they don't care, why should I care? That's kind of how I feel about what's going on with baseball right now. If they don't care, why the fuck should I care? And it sucks because the Tigers are entering a fun time. The Tigers are bringing on young guys. The Tigers are hopefully going to, if they do end up playing, going to begin the opening of their competitive window. I was going to say championship, but you know, we got some work to do still. It's an exciting time to be the Tigers. It's an exciting time to be a Detroit fan. It'd be fun to watch them this year. Like there'd be more to look forward to with the Tigs this year than there has been in the last six, seven, eight years. And here I am saying, eh, fuck them. Fuck them. They don't want me to care. Okay. I won't. You don't want me to care. All right. Bet. I don't fuck you guys. So I don't know. Figure it out, baseball. Figure it out. Red Wings. Hurricanes. OT. Just unbelievable. OT. Lucas Raymond. Everybody loves Raymond. Red Wings win in overtime. Unbelievable game last night. It was a close one. 1-1, 1-0, 2-0, Close game. Neck and neck, back and forth. Um, Carolina takes the lead late in a game that felt like Detroit – Played pretty well, at least from what I saw. I want to say I watched like the, the the end of the second period and most of the third. I was kind of juggling it with the MSU Michigan game, but once that got out of hand, fucking <laughs> see ya. Lucas Raymond, Mo Sider, Dylan Larkin, Tyler Bertuzzi, dude. I can't say it enough. I can't say it enough. Like the Red Wings right now are setting the stage for what if things go according to plan the entire city's sports landscape is going to look like. If everything goes according to plan, they're setting the stage. We got two extremely promising rookies. We got one of them, both of them really, are the front runners for the Calder Rookie of the Year trophy. Um, Our captain, Dylan Larkin, a guy who had some naysayers last year, the year before, coming off a brutal injury, having one of the best seasons in the entire league. I mean, the dude is unbelievable. He, what's his point streak at? He's got, I think it's got to be close to double digits. It feels like he scores every single night. And not only did he score last night, but an unbelievably clutch goal. Carolina just turns it over in their own zone. Guy kind of fanned on it. Brain fart, um, took his head off the puck. Dylan Larkin, thank you very much. And it, before you could blink, backhand shelf daddy, cookies, mommy, jar. Unreal from Dylan Larkin. He's been lights out, dude. He's been lights out. And you know what I love so much about his goal is just before that, he had a pass come to him. I think it was Nemesnikov threw him an unreal pass, and he clanked it off the post on a wide open net. Doesn't let him get it down. That's not going to define him. He's not going to, oh, fuck, I should have, oh, I could have. Gets another chance. 
good break falls right to him. One little move, one little move to the backhand and he's in tight and he elevates that thing. Top shelf three, three with like two minutes left in regulation. Unbelievable overtime power play. They're moving it around. We've got the big names. It's Larkin. It's Raymond. It's cider. It's Bert moving it around. Puck squeaks out. Bertuzzi gets to it. Loose stick, loose puck taps it over to Raymond. It's bouncing and Raymond times up the bounce perfectly kind of fans on it, but gets just enough, buries it into the empty net. LCA erupts. I love this team. I love this team. And I'll tell you what, every single time that they have one of these games where it's exciting and down to the wire, it's an OT winner. It's Lucas Raymond getting netting the game winner. It's LCA taking the top off the place. Every single time something like this happens with the wings, the only thing I can think of is I fucking need, I need, I don't want, I need a playoff series. I need to see Dylan Larkin with the C on his chest in a playoff series. I need to see Mo Sider reverse hitting an entire city in a playoff series. I need to see Lucas Raymond spotted up in the OV spot, just fucking lasering pieces, cleaning up rebounds, being where the goals are in a playoff series. I need Tyler Bertuzzi smiling with his missing tooth, getting in people's faces, mouthwashing kids, banging away down low, dicing and slicing and dangling through an entire defense to net one in a playoff series. I need LCA rocking in a playoff series. I need Octopi on the ice in a playoff series. I need it. I need Red Wings hockey in the playoffs. I need Hockey Town to be back. I need that atmosphere. I need the pregame, the red lights, the towels. I need it, dude. There is nothing quite like playoff hockey, and there is nothing like playoff hockey in Detroit. And every time this team does something, I guess remarkable would be a good word. I mean, you know, it's not fucking, they didn't save the world last night. They beat a really good Carolina team in overtime at home. But every time they do something big time like that, like that's a big boy team. Carolina is an absolute fucking wagon. The entire Red Wings division is a wagon, to be quite frank. Every single time they do something like that, I just can't help but, I want the stakes. I want the stakes to be higher. I want this to mean everything. I want it to be do or fucking die. I want that tension, dude. I want my bunghole to be tighter than a penny for three periods. I want it bad. I love football. I love playoff football. I love baseball. I love basketball. I love I, I love sports. I love the playoffs. I love the tournament. Something about playoff hockey and when it's your team and your team is the Detroit Red Wings and it's hockey town and there are 14 octopi on the ice before the puck even drops something about that I'm getting goosebumps I'm getting goosebumps just sitting here talking about it to be quite honest like I fucking I I feel that shit in my heart I feel it down below in my holy areas I feel it everywhere dude and I want it and they're on the path if yesterday taught you anything, it's this team is going to be there sooner rather than later. Steve Eiserman knows what he's doing. We have cornerstone pieces. Dylan Larkin, you thought he couldn't be a 1C? Think again. Tyler Bertuzzi, you didn't think he could be a first-line winger? Fucking think again, dude. Not only is he going to score like a first-line winger, he's going to enforce, bro. He's going to get in people's grills. He's going to rough people up. He's going to agitate. Everybody needs a good agitator. Look at Marchand in Boston. There's... He's a productive player. He scores, he passes. There's a reason he's different than the others. It's because he gets in your fucking mouth and people hate him and he scores goals. 
Most cider is going to be a Norris winner at some point. I don't know. I mean, he maybe could be in the talk this year. I don't know who the fucking top running candidates are. I'm sure he could make a case. He's going to win one eventually, sooner rather than later. He's one of the better defensemen in the NHL today. Top 10, probably. Lucas Raymond, top two, top three rookie of the year voting. Unbelievable. He could probably be a first line winger at some point. I mean, he's what, 19? He's got 50 points, something like that, 40 something points. He's going to be. 50, 60 point range when the season's over. 19 year old, first year, coming off an injury. <laughs> Fucking forget about it. And they have so many horses left in the stable. That is what's unbelievable. Two things they got horses in the stable. Three things horses in the stable. Steve Eiserman's the general manager. And Steve Eiserman hasn't made that kill move yet. He hasn't made the kill shot. He hasn't felt that this team's within striking distance because they haven't been and made that move that is just fucking nuts on the table. Stevie Bong rips. I'm going to face an entire fucking bull myself. He hasn't made that move yet. It's coming, though. It's going to happen. After a season like this, he knows he's got four bona fide stars. Add another. Maybe Simon Edinson turns into Mo Sider. We can only hope. Maybe Jonathan Berggren turns into a savvy little second-line winger. We can only hope. Elmer Soderblom's tearing it up. Albert Johansson. The list goes on for the Swedes, for the Red Wings in the A, for the Red Wings overseas, for the stable. The list goes on. There's plenty of guys already in the system that have NHL hopes that I think Steve Eiserman, that I'm counting on to be a part of the team and not only be a part of the team, but be upgrades to the team, be productive parts of the team. Those guys exist. We got more draft picks. We're going to most likely be in the lottery once again this year. And there's a kill shot on the table. Steve's made some savvy fucking moves, dude. Fabry was a great deal. Nadelkovic was a great deal. Still don't understand that. I thought Nick Letty was a great deal. He's made some good moves. He still hasn't made a win now move. He's made moves. All right. Yeah, we'll do that favor for you. Get us a pick though. All right. Yeah, we'll take him. He'll, you know, he'll season up Mo Sider a little bit. All right, fine. Yeah, we'll take Nadelkovic here. You can have a third round pick for him. He's made savvy moves. He's made he's made moves that have improved this team immediately, and he's made moves that will improve this team over time. He hasn't made the move that this is fucking hockey town, and we're coming for that ass, Toronto. We're coming for that ass, Tampa Bay. We're coming for that ass, Carolina, Florida. Vegas, whoever, Minnesota, it doesn't matter. He hasn't made that move yet. He hasn't made that free agent signing. He hasn't made that trade, and he's going to. You can bet your bottom fucking dollar that when the time comes, maybe this offseason, maybe next trade deadline, maybe next offseason, Steve Eiserman's going to put all the chips in the center of the table. Stevie Bong rips. You'd have to ask them why they were comfortable making that deal. Give us a bona fide star and let's get this fucking show on the road. It's hockey town. We're back. What's the Nick Cage thing? Let's ride. Steve Eiserman's coming. Steve Eiserman's going to make that happen at some point. And without all of that, this team is well on its way to being where we expect it to be, to being where the Detroit Red Wings should be, historically where they have been, to being where we knew they would go the day Steve Eiserman decided he's going to come back home. They're going to be a perennial playoff team. They will win a Stanley Cup, I believe, with Steve Eiserman. I don't know how. Like, people call me, Homer, you're a slappy. Fucking yeah, dude. I'm a fan of the Red Wings. What am I going to sit here and say, 
we've got two Calder nominees. We've got a young captain who's having the best season of his life. Um, we have probably the best GM in hockey, maybe sports, and Steve Eiserman running the show. We're an unbelievable hockey city, unbelievable fan base. I'm supposed to sit here after looking through all of that and go, eh, maybe they'll win a cup. Eh, probably not, though. The odds are stacked against them. <laughs> I'm supposed to do that. Fucking suck me, dude. I'm all in. How am I not going to be all in? What's the point of watching sports if that's my hockey team scenario and I'm not all in? What's the point? Of course, I believe they're going to win Stanley Cups with Steve Eiserman. And we got room for growth. We've got room for serendipity, this draft lottery. I've said it a few times. Gary Bettman. Edmonton's had their favors granted. Toronto got Matthews. Chicago, Lord knows they've had enough favors. New York with Lafreniere. Shane Wright uh, grew up a Red Wings fan. Probably not true, but I think he may have. He loves the city of Detroit, even though he probably has never been. His favorite animal is an octopus. His favorite color is red. He wants to work and play under Steve Eiserman. He loves Dylan Larkin, loves his game, would love to get on the ice with him. Uh, he grew up idolizing Mo Sider. Fun fact. Shane Wright, Gary, he throws a bone. Massive market, original six, hasn't thrown us a bone in 30 years. Haven't even had the opportunity to have a bone throwed for 30 years before we missed the playoffs in 2015. If Gary Bettman sacks up and makes the league some cash and makes the right move and grants the, the Red Wings a favor and boosts us up a few spots and we get one of these studs, Mitchkoff, Shane Wright, I don't think Bedard's in this draft, but I can't remember. It's go time. If that happens, you can lock the wings in for a Stanley Cup. And can I just say, before we wrap it up on the wings, I love where the team's going, love the direction. I feel good. Game was unreal. I fucking love hockey. I still hate it that people don't love it as much as I do. Like the wings played an unbelievable game, electrifying game. The crowd was buzzing. Like how can you watch that game and not walk away going, dude, I like hockey fucking rules. How can that not be the takeaway? Yet it is for people. People leave and go, eh, I don't care. It drives me nuts. I wish people cared more. But one more thing I want to say. Shout out to Ken Daniels and Mickey Redmond. I, honest to God, like I look forward to those guys calling the game. I want to watch the Red Wings. I want to watch hockey. Dude, I just want to listen to Ken Daniels and Mickey Redmond talk. I don't care what they, Venmo, sure, talk about Venmo. Ginger Ale, I don't care. Talk about Ginger Ale. Mickey's fucking flannels that he wears from Salvation Army. That's great. Talk about that. I don't care. I just want to hear them talk, dude. I'd listen to those guys review popcorn. I'd listen to the go those guys talk about the new carpet Mickey just had installed at his place down in Florida. I don't care. My dream, I think, is to have those guys like commentate on my night out. There he goes right in on her and he scores. He gets his number, Nick Bradley, in the third period. Whoa, jumping. That's how you do it, kids. Look how he does it. He goes in, he cracks a joke, and he gets the number. Oh, boy. Way to go, young fella. Like, that's my dream. Just commentate one night of my life, Ken Daniels and Mickey Redmond. I don't listen to a lot of other broadcast booths in hockey, in baseball, in basketball. I don't know what they are. I'm sure there's some incredible ones. Ken Daniels and Mickey Redmond got to be one of the best local broadcasts in all of sports. Like I genuinely get fired up for the game. Yeah. But to listen to those guys call the game, 
when the wings play on ESPN, I'm fucking sad. I'm sad. I'm like, damn, this game just got half as fun because I don't get to hear my favorite commentators in the world commentate the game. Like, the, I, I don't know. They're incredible. They deserve more credit. I feel like, I don't know if it's because it's hockey or because it's Detroit and not Los Angeles or New York or Chicago. I don't know what it is, but I feel like Ken Daniels and Mickey Redmond deserve more credit for being unfucking believable at what they do. I love those guys. Shout out to you, Ken Daniels. Shout out to you, Mickey Redmond. Holy jumping. All right, quick break. We'll be back. We'll talk a little bit of Pistons. They lost last night to Utah. I don't know what it is I really want to talk about with the Pistons, to be honest with you. I don't know. We'll figure something out. We'll we'll ramble for a bit. Maybe talk a little bit of Lions. We have Brad Holmes, Dan Campbell doing a little bit of the media campaign this week, talking about, uh-oh, 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 you want to come to Detroit? The culture. We got guys that want to be here. We're not going to cower from anybody. You want to come win? You want to come play hard, be around guys who love the game, come to Detroit? Fucking gas me up, boys. Quick break. Pistons. 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 I mean, I love Cade. I don't know. I don't know what there is to say about this team. Like I said, I think last week in the Dog Days of Winter episode, we're starting to get to that point where it's kind of like they're not going to make the playoffs. We're kind of running out the clock till we can get the draft. I mean, the reason you watch the Pistons now is because of Cade, is because of Sadiq. That game they played over the weekend, or maybe it was Monday, um, against Charlotte, the overtime winner. That game was sick. They've shown flashes. I got to be honest, I've watched them a couple times in the last couple weeks. Like I've watched them more in the last two or three weeks than I have in the last two or three years combined. They they do some exciting things. When Cade plays well, when Sadiq plays well, they're fun, dude. They do some cool shit. They do some crazy shit. Cade makes some shots. Cade makes some passes where you're like, oh, whoa, wait a second. This guy's on our team? Detroit got a guy like him? Sadiq Bay, talk about making shots and doing crazy shit. That shot he hit in the corner at the end of the fourth against Charlotte, I was, I was like, dog, is that Steph Curry out there? When did Sadiq Bay become unstoppable? When did Sadiq Bay decide, yeah, I'm going to just make this ridiculous fucking shot to send it overtime? When did he become that guy? Because all I knew about Sadiq this season was the fact that he struggled all along in the first maybe quarter, first third of the season. All of a sudden, he's burying the entire banking district of Charlotte. <laughs> that's, that's why you watch the Pistons. That's why people are still invested, more than me, for sure. That's why I still have any inkling or like any fucking interest or reasoning to want to come on here and talk is because there are, there are signs to be excited about when Cade does some of the shit he does. It truly is like, wow. He had a poster last night on Corey Kispert where you're like, yay, yay. The Pistons have something. They have something real. They have something tangible that isn't just, Oh sweet dude. We brought this guy in who's banging one of the Kardashians. We'll sell a couple hundred more jerseys this year. It'll be fucking sweet. Yeah. We'll miss the playoffs again. Or yeah, we'll be bounced in the first round in four games and lose by a cumulative 90 points in those four. But like he's banging a Kardashian dude. We'll sell a couple fucking tickets. We'll sell a couple pies at LCA. It'll be good. Like we have a guy that isn't that. We have a guy to be excited about, not because of who his girlfriend is, 
not because he played in Los Angeles, not because he threw down dunks over cars nine years ago. No, 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 no. We have a guy to be excited about because he's a guy to be excited about because he's 19 or 20 years old and he has a kid and he's mature as fuck. He never gets in trouble. He never says the wrong thing. There was that interview that went viral that Nick Hankel did with him. Shout out to Nick, even though he was getting dragged for it. Where Nick is like trying to make fun of Jalen Green and uh, Cade's like, uh, next question. Cade isn't about it. Where it's not Cade like, hey, why'd you guys lose? Throw someone under the bus. It's not going to directly affect him or his team. But even still, Cade's like, eh, pass. Like he's the most matured 19-year-old who's ever lived. This dude's more mature than fucking – not Jesus. Um, who's the guy? The Baptist, David, the John, the Baptist. He's more mature than he is at 19 years old. And that guy, I don't know how you become a baptizer without being mature. That's like the most, you want to dunk babies in water for a living. That's maturity. That's mature. I want to go out and drink. You can't go out and drink on the weekends. If you're dunking babies at Monday at 9am. Cade's 19. He's mature as fuck. He's unbelievable. Like, let's not forget that. He's not just a great guy and a great talker and a great leader. He's fucking sweet at basketball. Um, and the way he plays is the best part. He gets other guys involved. He's a pass-first guy. He makes you better just by being on the floor with him. Just by him having the ball and you happening to exist and be an NBA player in the same era as Cade Cunningham, you just got better at basketball. Think about that for a second. That is the true sign of greatness. That is what makes great players elite, elite players special, is you just got better because you were born close to the time Cade Cunningham was born, and you play for the Detroit Pistons at the same time he does. You got better because of that. You made more money on your next contract because of that. Those are the guys that win championships. Those are the guys that franchises build around. Those are the guys that keep franchises in the playoffs for 10, 12, 15 years. Those are the guys that revitalize or restore dying franchises, franchises that maybe they had some success, say in the late eighties, early nineties, maybe they had some success in the mid two thousands. Guys like Cade Cunningham are who brings those back, who turns the golden state warriors into what Steph Curry did, who turns the Cavaliers into what they were with LeBron there. That's what Cade does. That's what Cade does. That's why I'm excited about him. And I'm still not the biggest Pistons fan in the world, for sure. I still haven't watched more than five of their games, six of their games this year, for sure. I still am not fucking tracking the stats and how Cade play, how he look every single night, for sure. I still don't know the caps and who they might sign and who they won't sign. I'm excited about him, and that's the first step. When you build a fan base, when you gain interest and garner interest in the community and the city your team plays in, you'll always have the diehards. Like me with the Red Wings. I watched the Red Wings in 2019 when they lost infinity games, when they were historically bad at hockey. I watched probably 41 of those 82 games. I don't fucking know why. I don't know why, dude. I did, though. For some reason, I decided, yeah, this will be a good idea. Let's just do something awful half of the nights out of the week. Because I just love hockey. Because I grew up on the wings. I'm a diehard. There are people like that for the Pistons, as there should be. The Pistons are a historic, legendary franchise. But part of revitalizing and restoring the Pistons, you get those games on ESPN. You draw more free agents. 
is getting guys like me who I'd like to be in on the NBA. I'd like to have to check Google every night to check if the Pistons are playing, because if they are, I need to watch. Look at Chicago this year. They're sweet. They're one of the best teams in the East. They're hopefully for Chicago fans are going to win a playoff series or two. They were fucking irrelevant, irrelevant two years ago, three years ago, four years ago. The Chicago Bulls, the same franchise that had Michael Jordan, a massive city with a massive population, with a massive young NBA audience in it. And nobody gave a fuck about the Chicago Bulls. Fast forward two, three years, they get DeMar DeRozan, they get Vucevic, they're winning games, they're a top three team in the East. The Bulls are fucking back. You go to Chicago, United Center's packed every night. You go to Chicago, the bar's got the Bulls on. People in Chicago, yeah, I'm staying in watching the Bulls tonight. I got friends. Let's watch the Bulls tonight. What about the Bulls? What about the Bulls? What about the Bulls? The Pistons can be that. And it starts with a guy like Cade Cunningham. Does it the right way. He's not a fucking diva. Look at me. I'm at the strip club. Oh, I bought this mink coat. Oh, I stayed up till 2 a.m. Oh, but I'm Cade Cunningham, so don't tell me what to do. Oh, but I'm going to dribble the ball 90 times every possession. He's not like that. He's, I want to win. I'm good at basketball. I'm going to do what I can to help us win. Let's get some help and let's fucking go. I want to win. I want to win in Detroit. I want to be here. I want to be successful. I want to be a part of this franchise in this city. You can't ask for more than that. That's where it starts. You throw in a Sadiq Bey. You throw in an Isaiah Stewart. You throw in a hopefully improving and, I don't know, hopefully a guy who finds his way and figures it figures out where he can have success in the league and Killian Hayes. All of a sudden, you trade Jeremy Grant for a piece. You use this year's pick on Jabari Smith. You sign Miles Bridges or someone like that in free agency, Devin Booker in a couple of years. And we're back and things cook and Little Caesars packed every night and the Pistons are on ESPN 10 times a year and Pistons are the opening story of first take and Detroit's back. The Pistons are back. People like me can't go a night without watching the Pistons. It starts with Cade. I know they lost to the Wizards last night. The Charlotte game was elite, electric, down to the wire. Kind of like the Red Wings game where it's like, that game happened, and it was sick, and Sadiq's making shots, and Cade's making plays, and they pull out a win against a good Charlotte team with some good fucking players. Some of their guys are doing that same thing for Charlotte. And it left me with the taste of, oh, ooh, 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 ooh. I kind of like that. I kind of like that, dude. The Pistons going toe-to-toe with a team that's got LaMelo Ball and Miles Bridges and winning? Because our young guys are hitting ridiculous shots in the fourth quarter in overtime. <laughs> I like that. I enjoyed that. I want more. I, I want that game to have playoff implications. I want that game to be a playoff game. That's where we're going. The ball is rolling, and it's exciting. Last but not least, we'll do a little bit of cat stuff. Dan Campbell, Brad Holmes, giving quotes left and right, dude. Those guys are fucking vending machines of quotes that make me want to just sprint out of my office and fight a rhinoceros. I swear to God, we won't cower from anybody. You come to Detroit if you want to play with guys who give it their all, who want nothing more to win, that are part of an unbelievable culture. Um, Yeah, dude, I'll fight two rhinoceri. I don't give a fuck. When Brad Holmes is saying shit like that, when Dan Campbell is dropping sound bites like that, I'll die. I'll go dumpster diving in a volcano, dude. I'll do anything you want. 
Just give me those guys running the Detroit Lions and let me sit down on the couch and watch them 17 times and watch this team win the first playoff game they have since 1991. That's where I'm at. Similar to what I said with the Red Wings earlier. How could I not be fired up? How could you not be fired up? I get it. They're the Lions. I fucking get it, dude. I'm from Detroit. I'm a Lions fan. 24 years I've been alive. I went to that Ravens game this year. You would have put your life savings. No chance the Ravens come back. What is there, 30 seconds, no timeouts? They got a fourth and 21 from their own like eight-yard line. No way the Ravens win that game. Oh, buddy, there's a way, all right, and they somehow are going to find it. I was at that game. There was nothing. I went back to my friend's apartment on the 24th floor after that game, and there was nothing I wanted to do more than somehow figure out a way to open up the window and just nosedive through it. Nothing I wanted to do more. I was upset. Had my heart ripped out of my chest for, I don't know, 300th time since I've been watching Detroit Lions football. And yet here I am in the offseason off a 3-13-1 year. Not a year where they, oh, we almost made the playoffs. Not a year where, oh, our rookie quarterback looks great. Nothing like super tangible. Yes, they improved as the year went on. Yeah, the O-line looks good. Yeah, they got some pieces. Amon Ra, DeAndre Swift. I sat through 313-1. I went to that Ravens game. I sat through the same shit the Lions have done my entire life, and yet here I am a month before the draft going, I fucking feel good about the direction of the team. How could you not? Dan Campbell says the right shit. Dan Campbell, not only does he say the right stuff, he walks the walk. People seem to respond. And not people like me, not people that don't matter like you or I or talking heads on ESPN. People in the locker room, people that could be potential players, people that are his players, people that work on his staff, whether it's in the front office or coaching, the right people say the right things about him. They respond in the right way. People talk about the culture in Ford Field right now like they fucking flip the script. Like they flipped the game of football and what it means to be a pro football player on its head from the transition of Patricia to Dan Campbell. That means something. I did like a 30-minute rant during the season. I think it was after the Lions won their first game. I did a long-ass rant talking about how even though, yeah, it's not good, after that first win they were like 1-9 and nine or 1-10 and 10 or whatever they were, that's not a good record by any means. That won't get you in the playoffs by any means. That won't win the first playoff game since 91 by any means. That certainly won't win the Super Bowl. But the fact that guys came out for the fucking Detroit Lions and they were 0-10 and they went into that game and they busted their ass and they got a dub, they played like they were 0-0 and and had the whole season in front of them, that is why I have faith in Dan Campbell. It's not because he says funny stuff like, we'll bite the kneecaps off. It's not because he wears the racing helmet during Grand Prix weekend to the press conference. Yeah, that's funny. I enjoy it. I'm a man of comedy and entertainment. I enjoy it. I get gassed up and I make videos and come on here and talk about the Lions being different and having faith that things will change and this new regime will get something done, whether that's just a playoff win or whether that's a Super Bowl win. I do that because Dan Campbell has guys playing for their lives when they're 0-10. 
when they're going to collect their paycheck, no matter what they win or lose that game, when they know they're not making the playoffs, when they know the season's a lost cause, when they know they could all go out there, roll over and fucking die, go back home, you're in bed by 10, throw up, throw on the Netflix and sleep with your bundles of cash. Every single dude on the roster knows he could do that. But for some reason, they went out there and busted their fucking ass against the team, the Arizona Cardinals, that are fighting for a playoff spot. That's why Dan Campbell fires me up. That's why I have belief. It's hard to find people who galvanize others. It's hard to find the Jon Snows of the world. It's hard to find people that others are willing to do whatever it takes for. That's a novelty. Sure, it'd be sweet to have a guy who's a fucking brainiac and could design a spaceship and has 1,000 different ways to run a halfback dive. That'd be sweet. Andy Reid, the motion. Sean McVay, the fucking genius. Even though, is he a genius? That Super Bowl running the ball a 1,000 times when you just traded for Matthew Stafford to avoid that exact situation? I don't know how much of a genius you are, but I guess you're kind of a genius. It worked. You won. As great as those guys are, give me the guy. Who has dudes playing for their lives when they're 0 10? Give me Dan Campbell. Give me the guy who, yeah, the X's and O's, we'll figure that shit out later. I'll hire guys for that. Give me the guy whose main focus and concentration and accomplishment, it would seem, is a culture, is building an energy that others want to be around, is alluring free agents. I hope now. I'd love to like be the fly on a wall for a free agent meeting in Detroit and just see what guys think. Because I'm sure there was a stigma around Detroit during the Patricia era. I'm sure there still is somewhat of a stigma around Detroit. It's the it's the Detroit Lions. But I would love to see what guys come in. You just came from Baltimore. You just came from the Seattle Seahawks. You just came from the Houston Texans, whoever. I would love to see how those guys feel when they walk into the building in Detroit, when they meet Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes, and they give them the pitch on the direction of the Lions. I would love to see what those guys feel. Because I think it would be something special. I think Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell are eliciting a feeling within potential players, draft picks, coaches, fans, whoever, that not, I I was going to say not many. I don't think anyone's done, really, since I've been alive, since I can remember. Jim Caldwell was a good coach. He had some success. He won some games. He took him to the playoffs a couple times. I don't remember Jim Caldwell ever really, like, rallying Detroit and rebuilding the Detroit Lions. I remember Matthew Stafford having eight comeback fourth quarter drives in one of those seasons, though. I remember that. I remember Calvin Johnson almost breaking Jerry Rice's record. I remember that. Jim Caldwell, good coach, won games. I still don't even remember him having the same type of feeling or or creating the same type of feeling that Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes are. And we got a big test now for Brad Holmes. It would seem his first draft really well. Penny was a dog. Amon Ra was a dog. Derek Barnes has some improving to do, but he was good. Aleem McNeil was a good player. Um, if he Malafon knew, I can't say his name. He got hurt. We'll see. He had a good draft, though, Brad Holmes. He brought in some good players. Brad Holmes, good in my book so far. Year two, another critical, critical draft. You got a couple first-round picks now. You have to hit on those first three picks. Now we can dive in a little bit more to him. He said the right things. He's made the right moves so far. I think him and Dan Campbell seem to work very well together. They seem to have a similar vision and be able to play off each other and work in unison. Now it's time to see what Brad Helms can do in year two where, hey, the talk's nice. 
we're building the culture. That's fucking great. This, that, the other thing. That's awesome. Nail the draft because you absolutely have to, because we can't afford not to, because the Detroit lions for the last 25 years, haven't been able to afford to miss a draft. And yet we've missed them anyways, outside of Matthew Stafford and Kelvin Johnson. Now we find out, but I'll tell you what, as it stands today, March 2nd, 2022, I fucking love the guys in charge of the Detroit Lions, and I don't know how anyone could. I understand, like I said, I understand it's the Lions. They're cursed. They can't win. They're the Lions. They'll fuck something up. I get it. Move past it. You guys, it's Dan Campbell. It's Brad Holmes. There is no reason to mistrust those guys right now. There is no reason you shouldn't have the utmost faith in you in those guys right now. And I'll tell you this. Anybody out there saying, it's the Lions. It's never going to work. What the fuck is that doing? What is being negative about the Detroit Lions? Who's that helping? How's that going to improve anything? What is saying, oh, Brad Holmes will screw it up. Dan Campbell will screw it up. What's that doing for fucking anyone? Have a little bit of faith one time. We'll see what happens this year. But right now, have some faith. Let it ride. Believe in these guys because they haven't given you any reason not to. That's all I got today, folks. That's the show. Again, check out Detroit Sports Network, the new partners, thesecondstring.com, all your sports and streetwear needs. Been cooking up some new designs. I'm about to get in the lab as we speak. Check out the second string on YouTube. Going to start uploading YouTube videos. Bunch of shit coming. We're turning the temperature to 11. Um, appreciate everyone who listens. Appreciate everyone who shares. All that good stuff. That's all. Yeah, I'll talk to you guys next week. We'll be